Good morning, church. Let us pray. Most gracious God, we thank you for this day that you have made. We give you glory for this time to gather together. And we consider those that are online and those that are not able to be with us today. Lord, we ask that whatever is said today, that it will bring you glory and honor. These are the things we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. First, I'd like to uh, recognize uh, my family and you, church family, for all of your support for our family as we've been here and have grown together. We're just so grateful and thankful to you. And I want to take the time to recognize our pastor as our leader, and we just want to recognize her and yeah, for all that she's done, her great, great witness in the community, and to help us grow here in the church and, you know, also, like I said, out in the community. So it's really been uh, an honor for me to, you know, grow under her. So thank you, Pastor Hodge. And um, so when I was, um, when Pastor invited me to, well, first, before I start, uh, of course, I read from the scripture lesson in the NRSV, and that's our um, our um, rendition that we usually read, and so our translation. But in Pastor Hodge's fashion, I'd like to bring you the Message Bible translation <laughs> so it can, you know, we can absorb it and make it a little more, um, well, we can understand it to all of us. So once again, it's from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And verse 13 says, The people brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate. Remember in the NRSV it said Jesus was indignant. And Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Verse 15 says, unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. And the last verse, 16, says, Then, gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands a blessing on them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. So when Pastor invited me to bring a message, my first thought was to share a sermon I wrote for a class. And like she referred earlier, I'm in uh, seminary, so please pray for me along the journey. Uh, but the Spirit gave me a different message during my morning run on uh, this past Wednesday. And my running time is my time where I kind of think through things and kind of plan and meditate. And I was always amazed at how preachers and pastors can change their sermons to something different. Have you noticed that, how sometimes they'll change it on the fly? And I've been so amazed at that. And, but that's not where I am, but I certainly understand, um, especially if the Spirit moves them in a certain way. And you're actively listening. So I've learned, or I am learning, to actively listen. And not just with my ears, but with my spirit. Um, what's happening is one of those phrases from the 60s and 70s that you might probably still hear today from time to time. People might say, what's happening if they're speaking to each other or something like that. Um, what's happening came to me in light of all that was reported in the news this week. I'm not a person that watches the news a whole lot. I don't, you know, because um, sometimes it's good to know what's going on, okay, but sometimes it could be negative sometimes. So, um, But what stayed with me was 
something they said on the news that South Carolina is ranked 39th for child well-being. And also, a 14-year-old child in Cherokee County tragically died at the hands of her own family members that were supposed to take care of and protect her. And that was in this same week. And what about gun violence? Our young black men are either taking another life or losing their own life with guns. This is not distant from us and it is affecting everyone we know in our community. Even if we don't know the children that are dying from abandonment or murder, it affects all of us because they are someone else's children here and most important, children of God. When what's happening came to my spirit, I thought about a song off of the What's Going On Masterpiece album by Marvin Gaye. What's Happening, Brother, is the second song on the album after the title song, What's Going On. Everyone is familiar with what's going on, and it's not only Marvin Gaye's sentiments back in 1971, but the sentiments of probably everybody else in 1971. It speaks to what we're thinking and saying now, what's going on? Marvin Gaye is assessing the state of the world, reminding the listener to find out what is going on through conversation. And What's Happening, Brother, the second song on the album, follows that and seems to be more of a personal conversation between friends because he is in the person of someone returning home from the war. Likely it was the Vietnam War, during, you know, considering the time. In this song, he's catching up with his friend and sharing with his friend what he is feeling and thinking about everything that is going on with him and the environment around him. What stands out to me the most is he stops to ask in the song, and tell me, friend, how in the world have you been? The friends are not only catching up with the latest, but are personally connecting and taking the time to really find out what's happening with them. On my run this past Wednesday morning, the scripture from the Gospel of Matthew came to me. I just could not remember where in Matthew it was. I remember reading it before, but I remember the, the narrative. And so when I got home, I was kind of searching for it in the um, book of Matthew. So when I read the, finally found the text in Matthew, um, I saw the cross-reference to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 16. It was clear to me which scripture to use for today. The same biblical narrative from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 16 is also in Matthew 19, 13 through 15. And there are some differences in the details. I chose the narrative from the gospel according to Mark because verse 16 reads, and he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them, and blessed them. In chapter 19 of the gospel according to Matthew, verse 13 reads, then little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay hands on them and pray. And verse 15 reads, and he laid his hands on them and went on his way. I want to focus on verse 16 from Mark chapter 10, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. How does this connect with the Marvin Gaye song, What's Happening, Brother? In the biblical narrative of Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 16, Jesus is taking the time to personally connect with the children and bless them. Jesus sees what's happening. In this, in this scripture, he has taken the time to notice the children, speak up for them, and give them what they need emotionally and spiritually, and it blessed them. In Mark chapter 10, verse 14, 
Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And that's on our bulletin on the very front, um, that part of the scripture. Jesus was upsetting the status quo by elevating children and showing them care and attention. So that status quo, that was like, you know, what was happening or what was the norm during that time. Children during these times were seen as low in social status and part of the marginalized. Jesus' actions show how important children are to him and God, and the disciples and others were to follow that example. However, in verse 13 of Mark 10, the disciples spoke sternly to the people that brought the children, which would be discouraging and a stumbling block to their faith and relationship with Christ. So think about if, you know, that happened today, you wouldn't want to bring your child or children or grandchildren, you know, to a place where they're, you know, turned away. So this is what happened. You remember how it said in the message, uh, they shooed them off. This was upsetting to Jesus, and the word indignant, or like in the message version, it said uh, irate. Jesus was irate. It's used to describe Jesus' emotions toward the disciples, meaning Jesus was angry and upset. In the Gospel of Matthew, the text says he went on his way. But in our scripture today from Mark, the last thing it says is, and bless them. This tells me that Jesus took the time to be in the presence of children and remain with them in a nurturing way. How does that speak to us today? What does that say to us in our context? The question that comes to my mind is, how can the church bless children the way Jesus blessed the children in this biblical narrative? By asking and finding out what's happening, then moving to action like Jesus. Since Jesus saw and knew what was happening based on how the children were treated, he moved into actions that blessed the children. For example, what's happening with reading scores of our children and how could we bless children with low reading scores to improve? What about the young man that feels the only way to solve problems is with a gun? The cradle to prison pipeline is a combination of factors beginning before birth and persisting through childhood, adolescence, and teen years that disproportionately diverts youth from communities of color toward incarceration. This makes me think about the work of uh, Marion Wright Edelman at the Children's and the Children's Defense Fund and how they're working together tirelessly to try to tear down these kinds of structures that affect you know, our children. Um, maybe we could open up our gym for basketball or other types of fellowship. It makes me think about how uh, before the pandemic, uh, some of our members did that here. Um, they had some, I don't want to call names, I don't want to offend anybody, but they had some fellowship time and they had like a gathering, they had food and dancing, you know, it was a lot of fun, so some of the sisters here did that. Uh, this building of which we worship is not just for our comfort and benefit, but is intended for ministry. What are ways we can bless children in Silver Hill and outside Silver Hill with this building? Intentionally find out what's happening by asking what interests the children have. I was talking with a young man who, like Pastor Hodge mentioned earlier, he's unhoused. Uh, he was out in the community, it was the other day, and he told me how he loves to make beats and how good he was at making beats. And I thought about, you know, if he was provided access with the type of equipment or able to make relationships with people that would help him to maybe 
make that into a career, say, for example, how that would be life-changing for him. And when we were registering uh, Daniel, our youngest son, at his middle school Thursday, I overheard a student in line say they wanted to change their schedule from band to art. I thought to myself and actually said out loud, that's good, you know, that he wants to change it. He made his own decision by doing that. What if that student is following their life's purpose and how could we help nurture that? Maybe with art supplies or art lessons just to keep them encouraged. And it made me think about Fisk University, which is like a liberal arts university here. And um, I was able to visit there um, back in February. And I met an African-American art professor, which I'd never encountered before. Um, that had an impression on me. What about if our youth could have these types of experiences, visit these certain universities that we could help support? And these actions tell children, you are important to us. We are concerned about your well-being, your interests, your success, your anger, your hurt, your pain. Yes, hurt and pain is what we don't talk about, but lament and praise are twins. They go hand in hand. Church should be a safe place for all people, especially children and young people, to share their hurt and pain, grief without judgment. The prophet Jeremiah modeled that for us. There's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to lament, lamentations. David lamented in his Psalms. Jesus lamented. The Bible's full of narratives of people we don't hear about that went through some real stuff. And if we bring those to life in our teaching, preaching, and conversations, it would be easier for people to share what's happening with them. When Jesus said, let the little children come to me, do not stop them. He is welcoming them with open arms and love. The question I ask is, do the young people feel the doors of the church are open for them with our unconditional love and support and nurture to them to thrive spiritually and as a whole unit individuals? What comes to life for me is Jesus is a voice for the children that are voiceless or normally kept in the background or that can't speak up for themselves. Mark 10, verse 14 after the disciples were rude, remember they shooed them off to the people, bringing the children, Jesus spoke up and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Today we are empowered to advocate and speak up for the voiceless and powerless like children and the poor. And, of course, many children that we encounter, even in schools, and there are a number of educators here, they live in poverty or they experience homeless, homelessness. Excuse me. What also comes to life for me is Jesus invited the children who normally would not be invited or welcomed. This week, I have, along with you, I have grieved the 14-year-old child in Cherokee County that lived in such harsh conditions and died in those same conditions. She was disabled. You know, I read the details on the news and, uh, or in the news report online. And it was heartbreaking to read that. I'm also grieving the death of another child that looks like my son's, a young black male. Have you heard of the saying about two dead fish in a lake? Most of them are apt to look at the fish and say something was wrong with those fish. But if there are, there's a lake full of dead fish, we're more inclined to think something is wrong with the lake. So we ask ourselves, what is wrong when we have so, many, so much death and dying with children. 
If children are suffering abuse or children are turning to violence, we must look at the environment, the system. I look further into why South Carolina ranks 39th for child well-being, and it is attributed to mental health of the adults in their household. And you can look, if you want to look this up yourself, uh, more information about this can be found on the website, schildren.org, with information about um, ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And so uh, this is provided and broken down by counties in South Carolina, so you can see. And a lot of it is attributed to, you know, the home structures and things like that. So the question that comes to my mind, is there enough mental health support or funding for the adults? And Pastor, in her um, opening and welcoming, uh, she mentioned the Opportunity Center or the Opportunity Hub, because it's a hub where people can, you know, get assistance and help for different things. Uh, when I encounter women at the Opportunity Hub, a number of them have children. And I ask them in conversation, I, you know, just engage them. And I know they have kids, and I say, well, how are you? How are your kids? And you imagine being in a situation where you're away from your kids and stuff like that. You know, that's heartbreaking. And uh, they may be there to get away from an abusive situation, some of them are, or other difficult life circumstances. And it's easy to have opinions like, why aren't they with their kids and all of that and to place judgment. But I really like to find out what's happening because some of them are getting the support they need to be able to take care of themselves and their children. To make it personal, uh, one of the members of this church asked me about some shirt sizes for one of my sons. Uh, she was discreet and very respectful about it. I appreciated her because she first noticed my child, just like as in this particular narrative. She noticed, like Jesus did. And she asked me about it as mother. You know, she didn't embarrass my son or uh, anything like that. And she did something, like Jesus did. She did something about it and blessed one of my sons with some shirts or one of the other church members. I think they did it through her. But I say all that to say... Uh, what would it be? I know that, you know, the children in this church have been blessed, and we have young adults and other youth that have grown up in this church and are great examples of how this church has poured life into them and have, um, have I'm sorry, have um, dedicated their time and all of that to them to help nurture them. How can we do that outside of this church and the community for other children? I want to leave you with what Jesus teaches us in this, with this uh, biblical narrative from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 16. Number one, Jesus saw and acknowledged the children and the environment. He saw what's happening. Second, Jesus was a voice for the children. He spoke up for them because they were voiceless. Number three, Jesus moved into action that bless their lives. You know, our children, many of them, some have already gone back to school, and tomorrow they'll go back to school on the 15th, so uh, some are excited, some are not, maybe, because summer's over with. <laughs> yes, so I'm excited for them and starting a new school year, and we just ask you to keep our children and our educators in prayer, you know, our staff, you know, administrators, custodians, so many people that really make the experience for our children so good in schools. And I'm very hopeful for them starting a new school year. And so we as adults 
How can we advocate for our children in the church and the children in the community that are not in this church? How can we, like Pastor said earlier, we're not trying to make members, but disciples or even nurture people, and nurture children especially. How can we steward what God has given us with time, talent, and treasure? You know, we talk about stewardship, but it's not just what we give. And uh, Sister said on Bible study, uh, one of the sisters uh, this past Wednesday, it's not just about our money, what we're giving, but some people don't have a whole lot of time. I respect that. But uh, it's not just charity, but it's, you know, nurturing the lives and bringing justice and bringing wholeness. So how can we do that to support all children? Let the little children come to be loved, supported, and nurtured. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.